Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. And if today's show sounds a little bit like an episode of the Woj and Low Show on ESPN2 this week, well, because it is. The great Zach Lowe and I sat down to lay out this coming season. We started with the biggest story in the NBA right now, maybe in all of sports. The controversy with the NBA and China, what that means for the league going forward, how this may all play out. And then we get into the contenders, the players who may be on the trade block by the end of this season, key rookie contract extensions that will need to get done by October 21st or players like Jalen Brown from Boston, Buddy Heald from Sacramento, Pascal Siakam from Toronto. Could they be in restricted free agency next summer? All that and a lot more. Here's the Woj and Low show with the great Zach Lowe. Stay with us. We all know how great Anthony Davis is. We're two guys who just want to win. I guess this is real. Y'all are Clippers now. Still kind of surreal. It feels great. I'm just excited to see what the new look's going to be. We're here to build. We have a great chance of winning it all. I'm excited. For me, I think it's a great change in my life. Things change fast. Welcome to our Bristol studios. The NBA season is almost here. I'm Zach Lowe, and this is the Woj Lowe special. Adrian Wojnarowski needs Zach. no introduction at all. How are you? We're almost there. I'm great. Basketball season. Almost here. We're going to be talking about the rise of the big twos in the Western and Eastern Conference. The top trade targets who can turn big twos into big two and a halves, maybe big threes. And we're going to give our lists... Hopefully they're different of the teams with the best chance to win the NBA title. But we have to start with the biggest story in sports and maybe the biggest story in the world. And that's what's happening between the NBA and China after really an unbelievable five days. The Nets and the Lakers played a normal preseason game in front of a capacity crowd. However, nothing other than the game was normal. There were no sponsor logos. There was no media by the fiat of the Chinese government. Adam Silver didn't speak. The players didn't speak. This has been the biggest story in the world. There's another preseason game on Saturday that I guess we're going to assume is going to come off in, in the same way. Um, there's a million different issues we can talk about from here. But, Woj, where do you want to start? I mean, start at the beginning. I mean, this is a league that has lived on Twitter. Millions of tweets through the years of you know players, even executives, uh, guys like you and me. There has never been a more consequential tweet than Daryl Morey's tweet uh, about Hong Kong and the ripple effects, not just in the NBA, but globally. And Daryl Morey started a conversation in this country with one tweet, one NBA executive that hadn't existed through, uh, you know, a trade war, um, a back and forth between a president and the Chinese government. That changed with this Daryl Morey tweet, and no one imagined uh, least of all him, the impact it was going to have and the ripple effects now that are making, you know, people in the sport in this country look very differently at what it means to do business with China. 
Well, and to me, the interesting question is what happens now? Because there appears to be something of a de-escalation in rhetoric and action. And from this vantage point right now, um, on Thursday night, it appears most likely that that game will be played. Um, uh, the teams will come home. Maybe Adam Silver makes one more semi-conciliatory statement to appease the Chinese government but not apologize. Um, and, and so then what? So, so then maybe the Rockets games don't get broadcast there, but the other 2019, 2019 games do. Um, you know, Adam will have successfully played his leverage, which is, does the Chinese government really want their hundreds of millions of fans to be unhappy? And he played that. And the leverage of, as you said, you've now shined a light on an issue that wasn't getting enough play in the U.S. So that's the status quo. That's the status quo. But what, what now? Because nothing has really changed. The response of the Chinese government has been laid bare, right? The next time someone tweets about this or, or the next time this comes up, there's going to be an aggressive response. The human rights issues that have been at the heart of this are not going away. There are protesters in NBA arenas now getting thrown out because they're holding up signs about Hong Kong and other issues. There are American players playing in the Chinese Basketball Association are going to be asked about this. There might be preseason games in China next year. We don't know. And so it seems like something of a cop-out to just come back and say, okay, whew, we got through that. That's kind of a win for us. The funnel of money is going to keep shooting our way. And so I'm interested in what happens now because the situation has been laid bare and it's not changing. Well, it has forced the NBA and, and, and beyond to look in the mirror. And that's what happens when these teams come home now. And, you know, Adam Silver says, I am not going to police uh, free speech, uh, the freedom of expression among people in my league, whether it's owners, executives, players. Uh, that was made clear in his second statement. but Which was a necessary second statement. Absolutely. But listen, he's, he defends Daryl Morey's right to say what he said on Twitter. Let Daryl Morey try it again. Let any executive um, coach say something on that issue again. Um, make a stand. And we'll see how much their free speech is protected by their owner um, by their sponsors. That was a little bit of a retroactive protection of Daryl Morey. There's been a chilling effect around the NBA. Um, and, and certainly players, you know, start with them who want to protect the revenue that they have coming from China. There are, you know, signature shoe series, you know, Nike, Adidas, all the big brands. Those players make a lot of money and they spend a lot of time in China in the offseason. And then you have players like a Clay Thompson and Sage McCollum who have deals with Chinese-based companies. Um, so th this story, while it may stabilize here for a couple days and the Lakers and Clippers come home, the story is only beginning. It's not going away. And, and to your point, the NBA wants it known. We never apologized. Daryl Morey never used the word apology. We never apologized for the content of what Daryl Morey said about Hong Kong. But you did apologize for offending or making unhappy however many Chinese people were unhappy about this. And that's different than what has happened before. The NBA never apologized for um, the hurt feelings of conservative Americans when Greg Popovich called Donald Trump a coward or when they ran a, a gun violence PSA that was a very clearly political, political act even though they didn't want it to be. They never apologized for the hurt feelings. And when you do that, when you do apologize for the hurt feelings, it does have a chilling effect. Even if you say, well, you can say whatever you want, but if you follow that up with, you know what, that, that, we're sorry that people were offended by that, that has a chilling effect. And, um, 
that's why I think people thought the NBA's first statement was a little bit craven. Yeah, and let me correct myself. Lakers Nets playing in China. Uh, here's the. This started as a Rockets issue. The Rockets being taken off of Chinese television, sponsorships going away. I mean, think of Daryl Morey and Yao Ming. Those two were very close. Yao Ming has been an integral part of the Rockets' history, and that may never be again. But this is a league-wide issue now with teams looking at the salary cap and how, hypothetically, if, if the NBA's media deal, content deal that's worth $200 million a year were to go away with Tencent in China, you know, Look at it from last year's salary cap, $109 million, It would be down to 106 A player like Clay Thompson, who has a max contract, it would cost him almost $5 million. Now, we're not there yet. But no, we're not even. No one has any idea. No right, one, no right. one, and, any and numbers that are out there. There's been no suggestion that's going to go away. But have teams been checking with the league office to find out how they should measure salary cap numbers with some of the rookie contract extensions coming? Yes, they have, because they want to know, is it possible that, Cap is going to go down next year uh, because of the fallout. Yeah, and of, my and of my twenty five percent max contract that goes like this is all of a sudden going to go like this relative right. to the cap. Right. Look, those are the practical realities. You have to address the practical realities. This is obviously a much bigger issue. But the other reality is that the NBA season is starting in ten days or so, and fans want talk about how that season is going to go. So when we come back, we are going to talk basketball. We're going to give our list of title contenders, how they're similar, how they're different, and talk about the best teams in the league. We're going to give everything we got. We're going to fight. We're going to compete. We can rally. Just try to come out and match that emotion. Just be mentally focused. Let's we'll see what happens. Play confident. Play Thompson in the zone. Running the floor. Foul. Thompson grabs his left knee. That knee injury will keep him out. Great to the top. I'm taking it, taking it. Green. And throws it away. Warriors ball. An NBA championship on the line. The Curry puts up a three. We the North are now we the champions. Welcome back to the Woj Low NBA season preview special. That feels like it happened somehow two weeks ago and like a <laughs> lifetime ago. How about that? The defending champion, Toronto Raptors, the purple dinosaur team from the North won it all. And then everything changed. All the star players switched teams. The landscape is totally different. Toronto's probably not a tier one title right. contender this right. year. Almost certainly not. Sorry to the Raptors fans. Um, but this is the most wide open season in right. recent memory with the dismantling of the Warriors by injury and free agency defection. Uh, you and I both made our separate lists of our right. sort of inner circle yeah. tier one title contenders. Yeah, We're going to put them up. I haven't seen Please. yours yet. The suspense has been killing me all day. And bam, we do have some differences. We have the same five teams right off the top. Uh, you have Blazers and Nuggets as team six and seven. You do not have the Rockets. Yep. I have the Rockets and not the Blazers and Nuggets. So I would say let's start with the differences because we're all going to agree on those top four teams at least. We can talk about Utah. Um, you can pick the direction of this. Do you want to chastise me for having the Rockets and tell me no. why I'm wrong, or do you want to defend no, I'm, I'm the Blazers going, and the Nuggets? Yeah, I'm going on a defense. I'm going positive. On You're going positive. You're not yeah, going I'm, negative. You're I'm, going positive. Yeah, it's too early in the campaign. Okay, go negative. So the Jazz Blazers Nuggets to me are teams. They're like the ankle injury away team who could win a title. That if they're playing the Clippers or Lakers in a playoff series and a Paul George goes out with an injury, LeBron or an Anthony Davis goes down, they are good enough. 
talented enough, they've had the continuity, they've got elite coaching to be able to overtake one of those teams and, and do something you rarely see in an NBA 4 of 7 series, an upset. But those teams are good enough to do that. But there's no question, you know, the Lakers and Clippers in the West and the Bucks and Sixers in the East uh, are the elite. Um, so I believe in the Jazz. I don't think the Jazz are an ankle injury team. I think the Jazz, if they hit their ceiling, are are just can win. I, I Their problem in the last two playoffs has been uh, a lack of another shot creator besides right. Donovan Mitchell and just missing wide open threes to, to like a preposterous degree. They should have corrected both of those problems by trading for Mike Conley and, and signing Boyan Bogdanovich. I really like the Jazz. I think they're two-way balanced. They've had the best defense in the West the last two years. I really like that team. Nuggets, Blazers, Rockets are kind of where the rubber meets the road. So why why not Rockets? I am not a believer in this tandem of James Harden and Russell Westbrook together, that that's going to be um, a partnership that's going to allow the Rockets to do the last few years that no one else in the league could do. And that was really push the best team in the league to the limit See, in Golden State. And that's why they're grandfathered right. in for me. Right. And, and Westbrook, it is not as much offensively I worry about them together, although... You know, what Westbrook does well, which is attack the rim, play with the ball. You know, he's he's going to have to, to, to play with James Harden. You've got to be able to play without the ball. You've got to be able to make open shots. Those haven't been his strengths, but defensively. Uh, no, the open shot thing definitely right. has not been. But defensively, I think they, they the reason that the Rockets have been elite the last few years, yes, they'll score the ball. I do not think they will be an elite defensive team. And when you just talked about Utah, Utah will be. They were... Quinn Snyder, and people are going to see it this year now, this is one of the very best coaches in the NBA. Now they've got shot makers. They are going to be really, really dangerous. See, I, I, do I, think, I do think Russ brings ingredients that, in theory, the Rockets need. Pace, a little bit of chaos, a little bit of not James Harden dribbling 100 times as good as James Harden is. We'll see, but the Rockets are, are one of many examples this year. This has been the trend of the summer. Two stars, not three. A big two, not a big three. Now, the reality is... Almost every kind of team-building model has won, right? Like, what was Toronto? A big one? A big one and a half? What were the Dirk Nowitzki Mavs? There have been big threes throughout all of our lifetimes in Boston and L.A. and Miami and Cleveland. There was a big four in the Warriors. Big twos have won many times before. The, the history's been done. So I'm not sure any model is any better than the other. But what was your take on on the big two? Was the big two um, an intentional creation of teams? Was it an accident of free agency? And where are we going from here? Well, the players decided that it was going to be a big two and not a big three because two of the best three or four arguably players in the world, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, decided that they were going to be part of big twos. And if Kevin Durant stays in Golden State, if Kawhi goes to the Lakers Oof. instead of the Clippers, I mean, you you would have shut the league down this year. There would have been one team and no oxygen for anybody else. I think else. we all would have moved to Los Angeles. It would have been mandatory. Absolutely. And so now... Um, the talent has spread out. This is always what Adam Silver imagined. This is what he's wanted. And uh, it's not parity, but it's certainly it's more parity among the elite players in the league. And you know, listen, they all flock to a couple markets, New York, say, Los they, Angeles. They didn't they, they spread out, but they spread like way out to the right. coasts. Um, 
The big two, big three thing is interesting because um, it, the, the Nets and the Clippers three are the most interesting examples because they have two stars and they have depth. They have right. real legitimate depth. And that's what you sacrifice to get the third star. You sacrifice your depth. And I think the Nets, with a lot of young trade assets and a lot of draft picks, they have an extra first-round pick coming in, are going to be the team that most faces the question – do we want to cash some of that depth in for a third star, or are we going to ride with that depth? And there's arguments either way. I mean, when your depth gets expensive, then you can't pay anybody, and you sort of missed a chance maybe to cash it in for a third star. Zach, I think the Nets have a third star, Karis LeVert. He might be, and yeah. we're, we're going to yeah. learn about, yeah. is he a third star? Is he yeah. a vehicle to get the third star? Yeah. And then you look around the league, and, and, and you think, well, when you get to the playoffs, the stars play all the minutes. That depth becomes a little less important. Uh, the more stars you have, the more insurance you have against an injury to one of them at the wrong time. That's why the Warriors decided let's just sacrifice all our depth to get right. as many stars as we can. Um, but that's it's going to be interesting to see how the teams navigate that. And the other question is, um, who is the third star? What what guy is actually going to be available for trade? And you look around the league, and there just aren't that many guys. And that's why I think a lot of eyes are going to be trained on Washington over the over the next year. And can we pry Bradley Beal loose from a Wizards team that is really in the doldrums, is waiting on John Wall's health? Mm-hmm. The other, if there's another star player that's going to become available, it's someone years away or someone that's going to be a plot twist that we don't see coming. Well, Bradley Beal's got two years left on his deal, and the Wizards have not given up hope of signing him to an extension. They've had three-year, $111 million or so extension on the table for him to take in any form. Does he want two years, three years, any form he wants, it is there waiting for him. So they are nowhere near the idea of moving Bradley Beal. They want to continue to try to rebuild around him, get John Wall back healthy. Uh, but because there are no big unrestricted free agents this summer, you know, 2021, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is out there, but only one team can get him. Uh, Bradley Beal, if he got on the market, would bring back an absolute ransom. Because if you want to improve your team in a dramatic way, he'd be the guy. But Washington's not doing that. They still want to resign. He's him. only 26. He's really, really good. And like I said, the next guy in line is either someone who's so young that they're years away from the kind of trade demand timetable ticking up, right. or it's someone that we just don't realize right. is going to be. Available. And we know what's going to happen this year. Some team that we expect to have a great season, it's going to get sideways, and someone's going to want out. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's that's the beauty of a season like this, where there's lots of teams and owners who think their team should be advancing deep in the playoffs. Well, even if the Wizards don't get religion and try to trade Brad Beal for a bounty, there are going to be lots of other interesting players who maybe, maybe not are going to be available for trade. We will dissect them. Who can really change the balance of power in the NBA? Who's going to be on the market when we come back? So Casey sending point guard Westbrook to Houston. I've known for a very long time, so you know, that chemistry we have on the court, you know, is, is easier. Oh, no hesitation. Harden from Westbrook. No sequence for Westbrook and Harden. This was the summer of the mega trade. Look at those names. Anthony Davis to the Lakers, Paul George to the Clippers for a million draft picks, Russ and CP traded for each other. This doesn't even include Kevin Durant, D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, all the other people who changed teams. It was an absolutely wild summer, and those trades are in the books. Let's talk about guys who might be traded this season and could impact the championship race. And one of those names is mentioned a lot, and that's Chris Paul now on the Oklahoma City Thunder, back where it all really started for him in Oklahoma City in the NBA. What are you hearing on CP? Well, 
he's going to have to play really well in Oklahoma City uh, for somebody to want to take on three years, $124 million, pay him $44 million in the final year of his contract. And that's a really difficult proposition. And when Oklahoma City got him this summer, their plan was to try to flip him somewhere else. They hoped that Miami would be willing to talk about a deal, and that never got anywhere. But maybe the Heat get off to a, a bad start. Maybe they look at this again and, and other teams. But so Chris Paul played well when he was running the team in Houston last year. I think like 22 and 10. Paul is still really good. Absolutely. And so uh, this is an important year for him, for him to get off to a good start uh, and, and get some of his value back. He has value in the league but not at those numbers. So if I were a team that was sniffing around Chris Paul, what I would really be rooting for is for Toronto to get off to a shaky start right. and decide to bail out of the season and make Kyle Lowry available. To, because to me, Kyle Lowry is a little bit younger. The mileage isn't the same, nearly the same. The health issues haven't been the same. He is much more comfortable playing off the ball, which makes him a fit with every superstar in the league. And I think teams would li- I think the Raptors could actually generate something of a bidding war even though Kyle is 34 they just signed him to a one year 31 million dollar extension to me if I'm Miami Detroit you could name a lot Minnesota of Minnesota, Minnesota. Gerson Rosas has a connection with him yeah. I think other teams would get in it I even think the Clippers would sniff around it because he's such a good fit there they just saw with Kawhi I, I that's the guy I would look at right and that's why part of their a lot of the reason Toronto signed him to the deal he is easier to trade under contract for next year uh, at $31 million. Absolutely. And so if the, you're going to have Marcus All, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, all who, who, the other two are in the last year of their deal, Gasol, Ibaka, and they, there could be at the trade deadline an exodus from that the championship core. And it's not a championship race anymore in the NBA if Andre Iguodala isn't involved. He's currently, people may not know this, he's on the Memphis Grizzlies. He yes. plays or not plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, whether it's a trade or a buyout, he has the potential to swing somebody's championship odds by a couple percentage points just because here's a guy who has a track record of making it difficult for LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George. And and those are the kinds of teams, the teams at that level are going to try to get him. And it's the two L.A. teams. It's the Lakers and it's the Clippers. And, and if there is a buyout at some point and Ooh. if Memphis can't trade him, that's where... That's where that will come down to, those two teams. I, Memphis is willing to hold on to him. And Iguodala is okay with sitting right now. Um, he is you know, a little bit like what Roger Clemens used to do in baseball. He'd kind of sit out a lot, a lot of the regular season. His advancing years come back in August. Iguodala's fine with seeing what the landscape looks like uh, and then jumping in on the season a little later because you're signing Andre Iguodala or trading for him for the postseason. I wish we could get Utah involved. He'd be a great fit in Utah to guard all of those guys we just talked about. But that's it for now. Well, there'll be lots of other guys that become available via trade. When we come back, we'll talk about all the young guys that are up for their first big NBA contracts. Not Zion. He's set for a few years, but there are a bunch of interesting candidates. Welcome back to the Woj Low NBA preview special. The last drama, October 21st, the deadline for a rookie extension deals. They're the big names that are still eligible and might actually get one. They're the names that have already signed. Woj, what are you looking for as we approach the deadline? A lot of leverage with this group because you have such a poor, uh, sparse, unrestricted free agent group next summer. We're not counting Anthony Davis in it. We think he'll stay with the Lakers. Boy, if he doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, but you have teams like Atlanta, Memphis, Charlotte, Toronto, who by then will be going young. They can throw big offer sheets 
at these players, these aren't those aren't destinations that are going to get free agents, but those players, Siakam, Heald, Brown, Sabonis, Ingram, age-wise, fit with those teams. They throw big offer sheets at them, and then their teams have to match them. So it behooves, you know, whether it's Sacramento, Toronto, to really get near the max number right now to get a deal done. But but Pascal Siakam, Heald, Jalen Brown have a lot of leverage right we'll now. We'll see. Everybody needs wings. A lot of those guys are wings, and, and they do have some leverage. Well, that's right. it. Uh, for the Woj Low NBA special preview, we'll, we, we'll have a bonus segment where we go further into this, but that's it for now. Remember to check out our podcasts, including the one on this show, and this guy's going to be a fixture on NBA Countdown this season. Enjoy the games. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you, of course, to the great Zach Lowe. Be sure to listen and download the Low Post podcast featuring... Zach Lowe, The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, and of course The Woj Pod, wherever you get your podcast episodes. We'll catch you next time.